Hey, welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022. Hello to everybody watching right now on YouTube and Twitch, Facebook, Twitter. Hello to everybody listening after the fact on the Football Outsiders podcast network. Remember, you want to be here at 1 o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays and Thursdays so you can ask us questions live. And, of course, we'll take lots of questions and comments from the audience. We're going to talk today about the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks, preview those chapters of Football Outsiders Almanac 2022. We have Mike Tenier back from vacation. He has returned from Europe. We have Vincent Verhey, the author of those two chapters. And we have a special guest, Matt Harmon, from Yahoo Fantasy Football, as well as the very famous now Reception Author Perception, because receivers are a big part of the story of those two teams. But before we get to the Rams and Seahawks, we should talk about the breaking news this morning. So let's talk about the Miami Dolphins, who have been uh, – who have been penalized their first round pick in 2023 and their third round pick in 2024, not for tanking, but for tampering. (laughs) Technically, this is for tampering because apparently they were in contact with Tom Brady from back when he was still with the Patriots, continuing when he was with Tampa Bay, when he was under contract with other teams, and they were in contact with Sean Payton, even when he was under contract still to the New Orleans Saints. And that's a no-no. But what's interesting about the decision from the league is that it came down and said, this is not for the tanking allegations, even though Stephen Ross may have said something to Brian Flores about losing games for $100,000. We think he was just joking. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I... I hope he was just joking because the Dolphins went three and two down the stretch that year. And and I think one of the things that's being lost when we talk about this, I, I Stephen Ross is, you know, a scuzzball like so many of them are scuzzballs, but like like you can't penalize someone for tanking if they didn't tank. And Brian Flores did not tank. He may have been pressured to tank, whatever, that's a separate thing. But I am impressed by Stephen Ross's master plan here to simultaneously get Tom Brady and lose games on purpose to get to a tongue of Iola. And then bring Sean Payton into this. That is a very stable and well-reasoned plan there by Stephen Ross. He is a football genius, and the Dolphins are going to miss him at the beginning of this year. <laughs> I mean, someone responded to me on Twitter. I said, you know, if, if Miami was in touch with Brady since August of 2019, when he actually became a free agent and they actually could negotiate with him, why didn't they get him? And the answer is they're really bad at tampering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And at tanking because they went three and two while tanking. I, I, I think the, the biggest takeaway from this is is they're not being penalized for tampering. They're being penalized for being caught tampering. Um, this is all uh, – it's still new to me because I'm, I'm a West Coast person and a night owl. My, my alarm clock went off an hour ago. And so I woke <laughs> up to messages and tweets about Stephen Ross, the Dolphins, and everything. And so I thought, well, I'll educate myself. Let me go to NFL.com here. Uh, lead story is a fan of the year contest. Then we have stories on Deshaun Watson, OBJ to the Ravens, question mark. Three running backs set for a year two breakout. Nothing about the Dolphins. I see Cardinals. Lewis Hamilton is mentioned. Uh, the Hall of Fame game. Matthew Stafford's elbow. There's nothing here about Stephen, about the Dolphins and Stephen Ross, and I can't imagine why. 
Oh my goodness! In fairness, it only happened an hour ago. So what your alarm might have, you know, boop 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 boop. Stephen Ross has been suspended. That might have been how your alarm went off. It may have been. Yeah. I also like I like in Stephen Ross's statement how he says, uh, you know, like they obviously didn't find any wrongdoing with the tamper or with the with the uh, tanking allegations. Totally accept that. Absolutely true. But I don't believe this tampering thing. But I'll accept <laughs> it anyway. So it's like all the things that are good for me. Yeah, they they nailed that in the investigation. All the stuff that's bad for me. That's fake news, but I'm going to, I guess I accept it anyways. It's very classic stuff. It's, I mean, there's some people online who feel, and this is definitely, I think, a possibility, that they simply got them on the tampering because you, if you get them on the tanking allegations, you make the whole league look bad. Like, it just makes everybody look bad, the idea that any team was losing on purpose, even though, as Mike pointed out, uh, Brian Flores was not going along with the plan, and therefore they were losing on purpose very badly. But um, the tampering allegations certainly are worthy of penalty. You, you, you can't be talking to guys who are under contract to other teams. And I think, I mean, the Sean Payton one might even be worse than Brady, because at least when they were talking to Brady, you knew Brady was going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Like, Payton is still property of the new Orleans saints. Like even if he wanted to come out of retirement, you would have to, you know, trade something to the saints for his rights or something because he's still under contract for this year. It's a mess. So, I mean, I, I, I definitely see where the penalty comes for tampering and it's a, it's a big penalty because it was really important that Miami had two first round picks because if, if what we expect happens and Tua is mediocre, they needed two first-round picks to trade into the top of the draft to get one of next year's top quarterbacks. If Tua is terrible, they'll already be at the top of the draft. And if Tua is really good, they won't need to get one of those quarterbacks. But the most likely outcome of the year is that Tua is mediocre and they have to they go eight and nine or nine and eight, and they have to trade up for Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. And now they just lost the trade pick, you know, one of the picks mm-hmm. that they needed to make that trade. Howie Roseman wins again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there is a lot to process here, but I'm looking at the official Dolphin statement. Uh, any of issues, any issues related to taking and all of Brian Flores' other allegations? They say right. he claimed to right. have been cleared, which I don't think that's true. I don't yeah. think that's exactly how it works. But no, it's not really what the league found. And you know, there is part of that sort of like, oh, we don't want to admit that anyone ever suggested tanking, although Moneyball's great. Moneyball's wonderful. But tanking is bad. Uh, we, also, it looks like Don Yee said, oh, this doesn't involve my clients at all. Here's all the evidence. Now you have Stephen Ross dead to right on this, on Peyton and on uh, Brady, whereas you don't have that in the Brian Flory situation. You have a yeah. meeting that happened three years ago in a smoke-filled room, and one person says one thing and one says the other thing. So we've got you dead to rights on this. Hey, Al Capone, we've got you on uh, tax evasion. Also, keep an eye out to not do any more murders. Mm. Thordane wants to know who won fan of the year. I'm assuming the contest is still ongoing. Yeah, they're, they're, they're advertising entries for the contest. So, so uh, Thordane, yes, get your entry ready. Uh, if you, you, know, you, you, can, you can do your own research to so go to NFL.com and see what it takes. But uh, I encourage you to give it a try. All right, so Football Outsiders Almanac 2022 is out now. If you watch our show regularly, you know that. We've talked all about how you can get it on Amazon. That's the big print version that Mike is holding oh, up. Or, bright and pretty. 
It's beautiful. It's in LA Rams colors because they're defending yes. champions and that yellow yes. really pops. Yes. And the PDF version you can get by becoming an FO plus subscriber, go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for more information about how to become an FO plus subscriber and get not just the book, but the Kubiak preseason fantasy draft tool and our fantasy projections during the season and the picks against the spread and all of that. So our question of the day is about the Los Angeles Rams, and it is if Odell Beckham Jr. were to re-sign with the L.A. Rams, who becomes the Rams' second wide receiver? Is it Allen Robinson or is it Odell Beckham? Which one of them would have priority? And that gets us to the biggest reason why when we talked to Matt about doing one of these shows, this was the team that I wanted to really have him on to discuss because Allen Robinson is one of the most interesting players in the league coming into the 2022 season. For years, the deal about Allen Robinson was the statistics were not as good as the play on the field because of the quarterbacks that he had throwing him the ball. Last year, at least to my untrained eye, it certainly looked like he had just lost something. And whether that is that he was a step slow or whether it was emotional, you know, like, you know, I just don't care anymore. I mean, that's what happened to Randy Moss in Oakland. After what happened to Randy Moss in Oakland, I don't write off the idea that a player just can not care anymore and just go to a new team and a new situation and suddenly all that talent is back. So I wanted to talk to Matt about what reception perception says about Allen Robinson, who he was before last year, who he was last year, what he still has and what he brings to the Rams. Yeah. And Robinson is probably one of the players that's most kind of directly aligned when you think about reception perception. Cause I mean, it was, that, that was the first like big prediction was that uh, he was going to have that breakout season in 2015. Uh, shout out to me, I guess, right, for being correct on that. But yeah, uh, <laughs> like I've always thought that he had all the skills to be a legit like prototypical number one wide receiver in the NFL. And his two years in Chicago in 2019, 2020, like you mentioned, they were not as statistically prolific, not like a top five fantasy receiver leading the NFL in touchdowns like he did that one year in Jacksonville. But he was legitimately up there like 97th percentile in success rate versus man coverage, which is the main metric that reception perception tracks, like how often they're beating man zone press coverage. And when I say it tracks, what I mean by that is I track, right? Like I, <laughs> with, for those that are not familiar with reception perception, what I do is over an eight game sample for NFL players and college players chart every single route that they run, how often they get open on each route, how often they get, how often they run each route type, how often they open beat man zone press coverage. Really the goal is, which is a perfect player to talk about, Allen Robinson, in, in this way. Like, how do you isolate a wide receiver from their surrounding variables? Because you guys know this, all your super smart listeners know this. You need a lot of help as a wide receiver to put up good stats. And I don't think Allen Robinson has always been that guy that's gotten the help. So, But when you look at him in isolation, I think going into last year, he was putting up some of the best success rates, whether it's versus man or, or press coverage, across the entire NFL in 2019, 2020. Now, last year... I agree. Certainly not that player, but I don't think he completely fell off the map either. You know, he was still um, relatively high uh, when you look at success rate versus man press coverage did fall off a good bit against zone. Um, I think a lot of that can be chalked up to scheme as well. I mean, you've got freaking Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney with the bears, you know, Mooney's like a speed based receiver as well. Matt Nagy's gotten him running like 
almost 40% like flats, curls, slants. And I know they didn't have a good offensive line, but these are vertical guys that you want to release down the field. So I think that a lot of it was a lost year for Robinson. I put a lot of that on the surrounding variables. You know, Fields, I like Justin Fields as a prospect, but he was pretty bad uh, overall as a player in his first season. So it, to me, it was a lot of, um, you know, whether Allen Robinson cares or not or cared last year, I, I don't know. But if he didn't, I sure couldn't blame him, right? You know, dealing with injuries, rookie quarterback, <laughs> bad coaching staff, a franchise that didn't pay him despite his, uh, uh, you know, ton of commitments. So I really think that Robinson is is going to smash this year. I definitely fall on the very positive side of the projections because I think he's still got it as a player. And this situation is, is, is awesome for him as well. So I'm very positive on Robinson this year. He's been getting rave reviews at training mm-hmm. camp. Yes, rave yeah. reviews. Right. And at the same time, there's a little concern there. Van Jefferson has gone down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whoever's the number two, if Odell returns, there's room for a number two and a number three right now and targets to go around. Right. If Odell returns, though, Odell would probably not return till midseason. So that doesn't solve yeah. your Van Jefferson right now knee problem. So yeah. the first couple of weeks, at least, they're going to have to use Ben Skoranek or Tutu Atwell. I remember playmakers were liked Tutu Atwell, but he is a tiny little dude, and he's done nothing last year. Right, and they don't seem too jacked up about him right now either. Like, uh, no. you know, he's not—he's not necessarily just going to walk right into that number three job with with uh, no. Van Jefferson. So I, I, it's not great. I mean, tough to use your second round pick on a receiver, and then you can't yeah. even really count on that guy right now. Uh, on a team that uses his wide receivers as much as almost anyone. Uh, Jordan Rodriguez for the Atlantic had a story on how the Rams are going to cope without Jefferson. And she suggested a, a, a committee um, with Skoranek, Atwell, and, and other random spare parts they have laying around, which is possible, but it's, it'd be a very non-Sean Payton, uh, Sean, very non-Sean McVay thing to do. Uh, he's not a committee guy. He's, I'm sticking with my 11 guys and we're going down the field. So that, that would be an interesting change of philosophy, an interesting adjustment to circumstances, but uh, it does show that Jefferson or no Jefferson, there may be room for Odell on this roster still. Yeah, and I like what Jordan said in that article. I read the same article. It's like if you start shuffling in Skronik and Atwell, you know, the tiny guy and the huge guy who can block, you're just dictating oh, yeah, what, yeah. what you're going to yeah. run. Right? This that's is a right. run. This is a deep ball. Right, right. And that's point. not exactly how Sean McVay likes to do things. I wonder if they would sign someone who's still out there like a T.Y. Hilton or an Emmanuel Sanders to get them through the early part of the season. I mean, obviously, that doesn't move the needle as much as a healthy OBJ, but you're not going to have a healthy OBJ. Right. For a right. Yeah. Anyone Even when Beckham point? gets back, what, what kind of state is he going to be in, too? You know, this is his second torn ACL. Don't it, know. it is super it's a pretty recent one, obviously in the, in the, in the Super Bowl. So um, I, I, there's a lot of questions there. I think a trio of, and I like Van Jefferson too, by the way, like I think he's a pretty good player, at least like a decently promising guy coming into his third year. So I think it's a kind of a sneaky big loss. Like you guys mentioned for a team that plays its guys and runs 11 personnel a ton. And we want to take a crack at Brodelicious's question about the, uh, uh, Will Robinson's performance, if significantly improved, be more of a referendum on Matt Nagy's scheme or the quarterback carousel in Chicago, or is there anything that yeah. would definitively tell us that? All yes. of the above. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't, don't I actually think that Matt Nagy at times like has done some decent stuff with um, – 
I think that Nagy's done some decent stuff, like putting Robinson in the slot and stuff like that. But it's uh, this past year was just a nightmare. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to totally be like, uh, yeah, let me uh, let me let me say some good things about Matt Nagy. But at times they did some creative things to get him the ball. But um, yeah, I, I think more of it is it's 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 a personality issue more than anything with Nagy and the way things ended there. Hmm. Old Heavy 403 wants to know, is the potential still there for the Rams to run it back this year? And the answer is, I mean, absolutely it is. They're sixth in our simulations in Super Bowl Mm -hmm. odds. So this is team, I mean, I think they're the clear favorite in their division with Mm -hmm. Seattle taking a huge step back and San Francisco dealing with a rookie quarterback and Arizona having the problems that we'll talk about some more when we get to Arizona in a few weeks. But uh, you know, they they added players, they added Robinson, and they added Wagner, but they also lost a lot of players. So it feels like they're not quite as good as they were last year. The offensive line, I think, is where to really point to that. Not just losing Andrew Whitworth, although Joe Noteboom is a pretty passable left tackle to replace him, but the fact that they're depending on a third-round rookie at right guard, this is the mm-hmm. team that doesn't want to draft anybody, and they're really depending on this. I mean, they're going to start a third-round rookie at right guard. You know, things are going to be a little bit more questionable, which means a little bit more pressure on Stafford, and a little bit more pressure on Stafford means he'll do dumb things a little bit more often, so probably won't look quite as good as last year. The The other concern, the other concern I would have for the Rams is a cornerback where uh, Jalen Ramsey – a plus 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 plus, good as it gets. Um, their next the, the the next top three corners, none of them had any good charting stats last year. They're all like bottom or outside of the top sixty in corners. Um, so throw away from Jalen is going to be a, the plan A to beat the Rams every week. Yeah. And I'll, they I'll probably re- really like Robert Rochelle, who was a fourth yeah. round pick last year. But I mean, there's no uh, track record on that guy. Right. It, it, it's all unproven. It's all because they, they had no choice. They had to promote from within pretty much any, any hole they had, except they added, added Wagner and, and, and Robin Robinson is, it's not necessarily a one for one swap for Robert Woods, but it's a starting receiver out and a starting veteran out and a starting veteran in. So yeah. that's not a, 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 a massive improvement, but yeah, Robert Rochelle is uh, uh, the guy they like. And, um, and there's David Long and Troy Hill coming Troy back. Hill, thank you. Friends. Troy Hill, who did not have a good year in Cleveland at all, and David Law didn't have a good year last year. So they're betting on potential, which is all they can do at this point. But they won the Super Bowl last year basically with a Stars and Scrubs model. And uh, this this works when you have superstars. And when you have the best wide receiver in the league and the best defensive tackle in the league and the best quarterback in the league, or, or, or at least a reasonable argument for all three of those, then you can make it work. It doesn't work if you have good players in those positions. You have to have the best players those positions and a quarterback and they got all those any concerns about stafford's uh shoulder right now that's been popping across the news i know uh, i've not been following day-to-day reports that closely it sounds like an issue for now but this is a guy who's a veteran second year with a team um you know if this was a a a rookie if if this was trey lance in san francisco it'd be very very bad news as it is, he'll probably miss some time in camp and then step right in and pick up right where he left off. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's expected to be a major issue. Okay. I'll point out the pass rush is another issue, by the way, because there's no yeah. Von Miller anymore. No Von Miller. And so now Justin Hollins, who's been around for a couple of years but has not really done much, is starting opposite Leonard Floyd. And, you know, you can kind of get away with that because Aaron Donald is like two pass rushers by himself. But right. 
you still would rather have better edge rushers than what the Rams have. You would always rather have Von Miller than not have Von Miller. That, this, <laughs> this is a good plan for anybody. Yes. But, they feel but, like yeah. another, they, they could make another move like a Von Miller type of trade in the middle of the season. I wouldn't be surprised with that as well. Like I feel like they're a team that we always constantly have to say the roster that they go into week one with probably not the roster that they uh, you know enter the playoffs with right that is true obviously they had they added von miller midway last year they Mm -hmm. added beckham last year last year Mm -hmm. midway through like they're definitely a candidate to do that every single season and they probably don't i would don't think it's like a stretch to say they don't get to the super bowl without von miller or odell beckham um yeah and they sort like like beckham was a huge part of that super bowl game plan as well like everybody has basically confirmed that and you could confirm that by just watching the game just watch the game that's another thing yeah, watch the watch the game. Yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a there's a good chance they add some significant players middle of the season. Obviously, we still don't know who those guys are going to be now. What are they going to trade? Twenty thirty seven. That is the, the issue. That, that's the thing that they've run out of ways of making that work. So I, yeah. I, I don't know how they're going to get that guy in at the yeah. trade. I was thinking Robert Quinn, the homecoming, but yeah, I don't know what they <laughs> yeah. can go for it. I, I, I will I will add the the year before they also added Jalen Ramsey midseason, so they do have a track record of doing this. But Mike makes the point: they are essentially broke. They have nothing left to trade in the near future, so that they're they're going to have to adjust and find a new plan because their old plan, uh, the resources just aren't there. Right. But I think we all agree the favorite the favorite in the NFC West. Yes. I, yes. I think very clearly. Yeah. Let's all right. Vegas thinks here. That's the uh, LA Rams. Division winner for the AFC West, NFC West, excuse me. Rams at plus 125, 49ers at plus 150. Yeah, I feel hmm. like that's got the 49ers a little too high. Yeah. Yeah. With a rookie quarterback, that's a little too much trust. And I mean, not a rookie quarterback, but effective. Well, I, yeah. he's, a, uh, he's a few weeks older. Trey Lance is a few weeks older than Malik Willis, who nobody expects to play this year. He's still younger than Matt Quarrel. Or uh, Mac Worrell, uh, 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 um, Kenny Pickett, or any of the other not prominent quarterbacks drafted this year. So he's still he's still a kid, and it's fair to be skeptical about uh, uh, what he can do until he gets through a full year. Let's talk about a team uh, that we don't expect to be in the running for the NFC West Championship. <laughs> no, but it's another interesting team to talk about the wide receivers on specifically. That's the Seattle Seahawks, who are down near the bottom of our projections, including having the worst offensive projection. Although I will point out, uh, when you sub in Geno Smith as their starting quarterback instead of Drew Locke, which it now looks like they're really going to go with Geno Smith instead of Drew Locke, that actually Man. does improve their projection a little bit. The, uh, it's, it's, Drew Locke's getting a lot of buzz. Am I, yeah, am I it, wrong? Drew Locke is getting a lot of buzz. Yeah, but Geno Smith is it's, getting all the first team reps. So far, Drew Locke has not seen had a first team snap in in practice. Now oh we're, we're we're what two practices in? It's not let's uh, not throw in the towel and declare this uh, battle over. But uh, so far, it's Geno's team. That is true. <laughs> so it brings up the question of what to do about great receivers with lousy quarterbacks when you go from a great quarterback to a lousy quarterback, because I think we agree DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett in particular is really kind of yeah, underrated. Like yes, everybody knows DK Metcalf is a physical freak, but Tyler Lockett has had great numbers for a couple of years, really efficient as a deep route runner. And what happens when you give those guys Drew Locke or Geno Smith? 
So this is interesting. Uh, well, in the biggest picture, yes. And Lockett, uh, I don't remember. People, I don't know if people remember this. A year or two ago, Russell Wilson had a perfect passer rating on throws to Tyler Lockett. He's been an efficient monster. He's because he got the volume of a lot of other guys, but when they throw to him, it's a big play, three quarters of the time. DK is interesting because target for target, throw for throw, he had better numbers last year from Geno Smith than he did from Russell Wilson. And that includes the start of the year before Wilson's finger was injured. Now, a lot of this is that one long touchdown he had against New Orleans, and we're talking about mm-hmm. a three well, a Yeah, it's a small sample, sample size. It's three games. Yeah, but uh, it, it's frankly a, 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 a more a sign that the Wilson to Metcalf connection was broken uh, than, it, than, than the Smith to Metcalf connection is gold. But Gino, if he's the quarterback, is going to look for DK a lot. Whether he can get the ball to DK remains a, remains a question, but he's going to try. He's going to try. Matt, what do you got on this? Oh, man. I mean, I the funny part about uh, this whole receiver core is I, I especially in fantasy drafts, right? Because they're going to slip down the board. You know, I'm I have a tough time not allowing myself to visualize that these guys are going to be really good this year because from an individual talent perspective, they're so good. Like I think Metcalf is extremely promising. Obviously, you know, he's been great as just like that ISO X receiver. You know, he's not the full route runner, whatever, but who cares? Cause he posts great success rate versus man press coverage, running slants posts goes mm-hmm. and, and he's developed a little bit as a route runner, as his career has gone on. I'm with Aaron, though. Like, Tyler Lockett remains one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Um, He's been at or above the 80th percentile in success rate versus man coverage for three straight seasons. You know, he's been really good against zone coverage as, like, that inside vertical slot receiver. Um, And he actually drew, like, a higher target share from Geno Smith, even though the results were in Metcalf's favor. Like, because you mentioned he has those longer touchdowns, stuff like that. So, I think the gap between these two guys in fantasy dress, like, I don't know that I'm really interested in clicking either one of them, but I think the gap between them probably should close a little bit. But it's just hard, right? I mean, this is not a serious quarterback situation. I mean, Geno Smith, Drew Locke, 2022. How, how is this? like? It's not, it's a non-serious way to enter a football season. I, I did this a couple of weeks ago. I go back to when Washington had John Beck and Rex Grossman in 2011. Yeah. As their quarterback, so that was the worst quarterback competition I've ever seen. Not counting a rookie or something like that. This is probably worse than that. But it's yeah, it's a flame out. It's a guy who flamed out as a starter, Geno Smith, Rex Grossman, and like a guy that nobody thinks is promising except right. the head coach there in John Beck. Like I, I used to live near DC in Fairfax, Virginia, and like the quotes that Mike Shanahan had about John Beck it was like. What 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 Dolphins games were you watching, my guy? Like, also, I mean, John Beck was also super old, but uh, <laughs> as for like a young player, but <laughs> so yeah, you're right. That's a very good way to compare it. Just like a non-serious quarterback competition. I mean, the one thing about these guys getting numbers in fantasy is that I can imagine that it would be not the third receiver is not going to get that many targets, whether it's no game or uh, D Eskridge yeah. did trade I, for Noah Fant though. They'll go, there'll be a 12 personnel team more than most teams going to go Fanton Disney as much as they can. I, I, I have said this for a couple of years now that <laughs> Metcalf and Lockett are like, uh, 
as a one-two wide receiver, you can put them against just about anyone, and then they'll stand up. But the drop off to the third receiver is just a—it's a straight vertical line. <laughs> they, don't, they don't use them. They don't want them. They kind of don't like them. They just—they <laughs> want to. That's one less person to be big, I guess. So it's, you know, D. Eskridge was hurt all the time. I think he's hurt again now. So it's, right now, it's Freddie Swain's job to lose as a third receiver. They—they're they're only they're only uh, uh, moved upgrade a couple of seventh round picks and. Marquise Goodwin, because just like they're the team that's going to make Geno Smith a starter, they're the team that's going to make Marquise Goodwin a star. The 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 ultimate faith in their abilities to to to, to polish <laughs> these these diamonds, I guess. But that's, if, you, that's if, if you try to tell the story of how Seattle and right, we know going into the season, every team has a possibility of being a contender, right? NFL, right? There's there's lots of randomness. There's a lot yep. big range of possibilities. But when you try to imagine what it would look like for Seattle to be a contender, you imagine that Geno Smith would have to be like kind of average and they would just have to be really driven by defense. And then yes. you look at the defense and you're like, no, it's not <laughs> it look like a top defense. It just doesn't, the personnel doesn't, you know, there's some talented players here like Daryl yeah. Taylor and Jordan Brooks and, you know, Jamal Adams is good if you use him right. But, you know, at this point, everybody, it's he's almost gotten to the point of being so oh, called overrated so much. He's almost underrated because there are things. Yeah, yes. He's not a bad player. He's an overpaid player who they overtraded for. But he's not but outright- they want to do, and this is what they were doing, moving towards last year, was doing more too high safety stuff. Jamal Adams is the wrong guy to be doing Oh, that. no. Right. And he's being fitted with a winter soldier arm. So keep that yeah. in mind because of the surgical, <laughs> they're fitting him with the winter soldier. He's going to be like Bucky. So that's going to make everything. Okay. Definitely get a lot oh, of interceptions, cool. fumble recoveries and things like that. When you're, when you're wearing an oven mitt uh, to protect. Yeah. Him. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Joey sucks says the defense is average at best. <laughs> the offensive line will be bottom 25%. Yeah. It is hard to see how the offense functions enough for them to be decent. And I think that that's, basically true like this is this just looks the, the, like one of the worst teams in the league yeah there's a, a a delusion that a lot of seahawks fans that because the a lot of seahawks fans have that because they drafted two tackles the offensive line will be better this overlooks the fact that that, that uh, Dwayne brown was actually still really good last year yeah. most rookie first round tackles are not as good as Dwayne brown was last year so that's a downgrade uh ethan poachers was not very good last year but austin Blythe has been terrible so they're worse at left tackle, though they're worse at center. Um, you you could argue that that, uh, 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 that uh, the right tackle is room for improvement, except Jake Kern has been the top guy there, and he was nightmarish last year. And the he other guys can't be out. Rookie, undrafted rookie starter last year. Yeah. So so no, this offensive line looks terrible. The quarterbacks look like you know if we're ranking teams one to thirty-two on quarterback, they're thirty-two. Carolina yeah. may have had an argument for the Bayfield trade. Now they are not in the, in the discussion. They have a better quarterback than Seattle does. Yeah. I, I went through a while ago trying to find how many backup quarterbacks would have at least have a reasonable chance for, to start for Seattle. I came up like a dozen. Um, oh <laughs> it's, it's really funny because I did not read, uh, I'll admit I didn't read Bill Barnwell's annual piece on um, skill position players other than the quarterback who has the best weapons. But I got to think Seattle came out pretty good. Because if the top two wide receivers are good. Lockett mm-hmm. and Fant, 
and Rashad mm-hmm. Penny and what people think Kenneth Walker can do. Kenneth Walker. Ken, Ken Walker now. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty good group with no yeah. quarterback and no offensive line. <laughs> right. <laughs> and no and some silver, some silver and line. No the running oh, back, the running back duo is like weird too. I mean, Penny has only had this like one great stretch in his career. Obviously he's just been, you know, injured, yeah. uh, all that type of stuff, but he looked great, was explosive last year, but like that was in the confines of that offense with Russell Wilson. Who knows what? The, like he's a total wild card. And then Walker, obviously, like has some. You know, can he actually catch catch passes? You know, uh, Michael Sean Dugar from the Athletic has said that Travis Homer is still going to be involved as like the oh, yeah. third down back. Because so it'll be a fun. That'll be a fun offense to uh, to deal with all year for sure. Does anybody have any idea what the offensive mentality is supposed to be? I mean, I watched them last year. And it was do stupid things faster with more energy. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of running and a lot of going deep. But if you're going to be losing by 14 in the second half, you're not going to be able to run that much. You're just going to go deep. It, it was. And also an offense. every offense with Russ is the Russ offense. Like, I don't care if you yeah, bring in, you know, uh, Brian Schottenheimer. You, you try to do like the Shane Waldron thing, like offshoot from Sean McVay. That was great. Like all of the talk in the offseason was, oh, we're going to get Russ more layups, like have him do. And I felt like that was kind of a good theoretical fit for for Russ. You know, that type, like get him on the move, you know, um, shots off play action, some of the layups that are in that Sean McVay offense. But to me, watching last year, for the most part, I mean, especially once he came back from that finger injury, which he came back way too fast from because yeah. he's just Russ. Um, it just looked like the old, like the same old Russell Wilson offense, which I kind of feel like, by the way, Nathaniel's that Nathaniel Hackett's offense is going to strangely look a lot like the Russell Wilson offense. So I, I, um, I don't know. I think we might see whatever Shane Waldron's vision and Pete Carroll's vision for the offense is. I think we'll see it more, more this year than we did last year. Last year was so weird. They were reasonably efficient in our stats. They just were never on the field. They had <laughs> the lowest average time of possession of any team since the 99 expansion Browns. Yeah, And normally time of possession doesn't matter. It's what efficiency is what matters. But when you're at the extremes, things get pretty extreme. And that was pretty extreme. That was very extreme. And and it was an offense designed to generate big plays and nothing else. And a defense designed to prevent big plays and nothing else. So they were content to be on the defense in the field for a dozen plays at a time, hoping to give up a field goal. And the offense gets a 50-yard touchdown or punts. And uh, that repeat for 17 weeks um it was it was awesome dude i, I had to rewatch that uh season to, to write this chapter and oh it was no fun it was no fun and hey at least they have a good punter it broke you they have a really good punter you have a lot of yeah. practice um and i got i got to write a lot about punting <laughs> christ so i mean you know i think it comes down to metcalf and lockett and cross with the next you know with a year of experience these will all be really good pieces for stroud or young yeah. <laughs> yes. To, to yeah. answer your, your question, you asked in, in an extremely unlikely event. What does a what does a 2022 Seattle Seahawks playoff team look like? Um, they're the best rushing team we've seen since like rookie Cam Newton on the Panthers and the defensive front seven. Every player plays to maximum potential in the in the front seven and, and is dominant to cover up. The, we haven't mentioned their corners. They they they're not. It's like the Rams right. without Ramsey is the Seahawks quarter. Artie Burns, like, mm. oh God, yeah. Sidney so, Jones has been okay, but yeah. not in his one not, year as a starter. 
Yeah, and he's not anybody's idea of like being really above average. Justin Coleman had problems in Detroit, so he came no, back to Seattle. No. So that, that's uh, yeah. Miami also, I think. Which is why we don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But if they do, that's the most likely route. Yeah, this is one where they came out in the playoffs in 24% of the simulations. And this is one where I feel like our the fact that our simulations this year were uber ultra conservative makes me uncomfortable. That that number. <laughs> I don't you would like take that. the under on the playoffs then? Yeah. yeah, I mean, Matt, if you don't know, uh, if you haven't seen in the book yet, like our projections this year came out even more. We're usually very conservative and they came out even more conservative than usual this year, like really like packed around. 500. All the team was pushed together. Yeah. And mm. Seattle, it just 24 percent just seems wrong. It just seems way too high. Yeah, it's interesting. Yes. I mean, but I feel like they I feel like they got the uh the DVOA projections for offense right. 32nd. Right. Yeah, 32nd. And by the way, if you sub in Geno Smith, their offensive projection improves from 32nd to 32nd by less. <laughs> Love it. But, but Dixon, Mikey Dixon, third in special teams projection. Well, his punting average should go up since he went with punting from midfield. He'll be punting from deep in his own end. So that'll, that'll boost his numbers. It's <laughs> a great point. His Pro Bowl make stronger. Joey Suck says a 2022 Seattle playoff team is a lot of other teams having quarterback injuries. And yeah. that, I think, also would yeah. – Matthew Stafford would have to get injured for – His elbow had to fall off. Um, yeah. A few teams like go missing their, their team bus gets like lost <laughs> in the woods. You know, something like that. It, it definitely uh, the, the simulation was definitely a little conservative, too, a little too like I believe in being conservative because there is more randomness in the NFL than people want to believe. It was too conservative this year, and this is one of the teams where you can really see it. It's just yeah. too conservative. You guys want some uh, prop bets? Sure. These are alternate win totals available on DraftKings right now. Seattle Seahawks over six point five wins at plus one eighty five. Anyone a believer enough, plus 185, go over 6.5 wins. No, our simulation no. is just too conservative. I don't really believe they're going to do that. Okay. I, I'm guessing you're a no-win since the Seahawks broke you. So Yeah. I, mean, I can look at their schedule and try to find six, seven wins here. Okay. Um, While you're doing that, here's one you yeah. might like. Under 4.5. So we're going into the disaster. Under 4.5, you can get the Seahawks at plus 200. Pretty good meat on the bone for a 4-13 yeah. season. And this is where you start to get into, as much as I do not like Pete Carroll as a, a team builder and a play caller and a game day decision maker, I do still think he is, he is do still think he is good at coaching football players and teaching them to play football and developing talent. So I don't know if they are going to be the worst team in the league, which is what you're talking about when you cross that four-win threshold. So, I mean, honestly, yeah. right, right that five, six win mark seems about right to me. Um, let's look at, see if we can find, let's see if we can find, uh, what was it, over six and a half? Got yeah. uh, seven wins. All right, we got Atlanta at home. That's winnable. At Detroit, that's two. Giants at home is three. Um, We're off to a three and zero start, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carolina at home at week 14. And then the Jets, a lot of bad teams at home. A lot of bad teams at home. That might scare me away from the under. Was it under yeah, four and a half? Yeah, I'm off the yeah. under now. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. They'll, ra they'll randomly beat either Arizona or San Francisco yes. once out of four. They they yeah. they 
until proven otherwise, we still have the NFC West round robin where Seattle always beats San Francisco. Mm-hmm. San Francisco always beats the Rams. The Rams always beat the Seahawks. So there's probably a win or two. Um, yeah, and, and they play Tampa Bay in Germany, and and, and who knows? Maybe uh, Tom Brady's passport expires. So <laughs> see, there you go. You know. So yeah, I, I, I'm thinking right in that five or six win department. That that seems that seems very safe to me. Which unfortunately takes you out of either of those prop bets, Mike. So sorry to kill your bit. That's the thing about these props. They're for people who are really speculating one way or the other. I'll give you one Rams prop bet because I we're below the number. The number for the Rams is yeah, around. Yeah, we are because have, of being ultra conservative. We're below the number. We're below the number. Um, trying to dig it up here real quickly. You can get under nine point five for the Rams, and I'm vamping a little bit as I try to grab it. Under nine point five is coming in at plus one eighty five. Yeah, our average projection for the Rams was 9.5. Okay. So, mm. I, and, and like I said, we're a little too conservative. I th- feel like you have to take our average projections and stretch them out a little bit. So, I, I don't think yeah. I can I mean, they do. They play the AFC West. Yeah, yeah. They, they, play, they play Buffalo. Yeah. We're uh, right on the Dallas. number. Plus 185. I may invest these 200 Czechia rando beardos. <laughs> I might put this much money down on that. I believe yeah. this is a dime, folks. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, I will, I will say this. Uh, as much as I think the Rams are still the division favorites, on, on paper, this team is not as good as the team that won the Super Bowl, period, point blank. Can't be argued. Yeah. So, um, I, 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 well, the, if I. Pfft. Give me like 10, I'd probably take the under. Uh, maybe 11, I would take the under for sure. So um, th- there's room for things to go deep south for the, for these Rams. Um, so it's it's not crazy. I don't think I would – I would not take the under at 9.5, but it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world. Well, the, the legit under is 10.5, and, and you can get that at minus 115. So that's like a standard bet. That's, that's 50-50, right, basically? That's a 50-50, yes. Yeah. So, I would, I would, I would take the under at that number, honestly. Okay. Interesting, but still likely to win the division. But still likely to win the division the, the, because the, the, the other teams are down. Because the other teams we feel are down from last year, and will. I, 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 yes, I don't. I don't think the Cardinals and 49ers are as strong as the consensus on them is either. So we'll get to those in a couple of weeks. So, yeah. all right, that wraps up today's show with the NFC West. Thank you, Matt Harmon. So, Matt. Uh, first of all, for people who don't know Reception Perception, you've got to check it out. It is receptionperception.com, right? Correct. Yes. Very simple. Yeah. It's just really amazing work at analyzing receivers on all the plays you don't see. So not just the targets. Mm-hmm. Plus, he is, of course, at Yahoo Fantasy and is the new host of the Yahoo Daily Fantasy podcast. I don't know if wow. that's the name of the podcast but it's the Yahoo Fantasy Daily Podcast starting next week. You are the new host. Yeah, well, officially the new host uh, as of uh, yesterday. We record our show here in a couple of hours as well. But, um, yeah, starting next week, we go to five shows a week, and then we'll be doing that all through the season. And, yeah, so I'll be hosting the pod every day. Uh, I hope people really check out us. The Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, which is a nice little playoff, you know, what do you guys know more than, you know, the weatherman or whatever type of thing? Uh, so, yeah, it's, I, I think it's going to be a fun show. It's an unexpected move, but um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I, I'm, it's like a well, – you know, it's one of those career challenges that I've always wanted to try, so I'm, I'm pretty gassed up about it. And uh, if people are, you know, want, want feedback, like I'm open to feedback, I think it's going to be a fun show. Awesome. 
And uh, Vince, thank you for joining us today. Mike, Always my pleasure. Glad to be back. Flush Mike will be, cash. Mike will be a flush with European cash. Flush Mike will be back Thursday along with Rivers McCown. Thursday, we are doing the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Commanders. It's Wednesday <laughs> o'clock, people! <laughs> so if you want to hear Mike say mean things about Carson Wentz, tune in on Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Same uh, bat time, same bat channels, Twitch, YouTube, uh, afterwards on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Almanac at Amazon or footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. And please make sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app and subscribe so you get all of our shows. So we'll be back Thursday at 1. Thank you, everybody. So long.